We live in a very competitive world. In America, it's always about being greater than, than other countries. In America, it's always about being greater than the other employees. It's always almost like a competition to say, what is greater? I mean, if you look at sports teams, I mean, you've got the Chicago Bears versus the Indiana Colts. Which one is greater? We have this competition, and we almost get mad that your team is not the greatest team ever when they lose or when they have issues. And then the United States, when it has issues, we're like, I thought we were the greatest. The reason why we have this competitive mindset is because we're all sinners. We're sinners, and we want to be great. And there's nothing wrong to do things with excellence. Uh, around here we say the statement, excellence without extravagance. We're not going to do an extravagant thing. But we're going to try to do things with excellence for the glory of God. But doesn't mean that Catalyst Church is greater than any other church. It doesn't mean that you are greater than any other person. We have a competitive spirit that is kind of built up in us. And again, I'm going to emphasize this again, that sin. That sin that so easily entangles us to be greater actually comes into our religious church functions. We come in and say, okay, how can I be the greatest Christian ever? And then sometimes we, we are like the Pharisees that we're about to see in a few minutes. The Pharisees are the ones that thought that they were the greatest. And here comes in Jesus in this story of Christianity, in the story of life. And Jesus is basically saying, I'm greater. I'm just greater. He doesn't ever necessarily say that, but he alludes to it, and we're about to discuss that in a second. So I'm here to tell you, America's not greater, you're not greater, your finances are not greater, your gifting's not greater, your church experience is not greater, your ability and your good works is not greater, your service is not greater, your Bible reading is not greater, your prayer is not greater, Jesus is greater. And if we get to that place that we rest assured that we need to, in every aspect, to worship Jesus and say, you are the greatest, that should lead us to a place of repentance, that should lead us to a place of surrender, and most importantly, that should leave us, lead us to a place of humble submission to the salvation that Jesus offers. And I'm just going to be real from the very beginning. There are many of you in this room that do not know Jesus. You know religion. You do not know the greater Jesus. You know church. Many of you in this room might think that you're saved. And I'm telling you, I'm asking you from the very beginning, humble yourself today. When you ask the question to yourself, and this is the posed question is, who is greater in your life? Where does salvation actually come from? Where does your growth actually come from? The answer, again, is Jesus is greater. So as we dive through this, I want to encourage you that what you and I are going through is what's happened throughout all these centuries. And Jesus has an opportunity to confront these people in their face and basically say, you are evil for thinking that anybody and anything else is greater. So may this be the case for you and for me. We just humble ourselves, And maybe you've been in church or Christianity for a long time. Maybe today is the day of your true salvation. 
Maybe today you're here, this is your very first time to Catalyst Church, and this is the first time you've heard the name Jesus, that he's greater than anything, because you have seen the hypocrites, which we'll talk about next week, the hypocrites with inside Christianity, and you're like, I'm just going to give this God thing a chance real quick. So let us join together and pray. And I'm going to tease this best I can. I'm going to illustrate it the best I can. And ultimately, it's the Spirit of God that brings the truth that Jesus is what? Greater. To you, God, we simply say thank you. Humble us. Renew us in the truth that Jesus is greater. And forgive me, forgive us for getting distracted by the things that are not greater for elevating these things that are almost a sign, but a feeble attempt to make sense of you. So to, today I pray that salvation will be brought to some, if not all, knowing that you are greater. I pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... All right, Luke chapter 11, ladies and gentlemen, we are in our Luke journals. Um, if you do not have a Luke journal, it kind of looks like this. Um, and my friend Chaz, Chaz, go grab them, please. Um, if you do not have a Luke journal, what we've been doing for the last seven and a half years is going through the book of Luke. All right, it's been like literally almost two years, but we're halfway through. Um, so raise your hand if you need a Luke journal. It's free. Chaz, go and grab some. I think some in the back there. Just raise your hand if you want a Luke journal. It's free, and we're just going to dive through it. So all right, just raise your hand while my friend Chaz comes around. All right, Luke chapter 11, 29 through 32. So we're going to read through this. Make sure you take notes. I'm going to emphasize a couple words. Take notes, and, and I'm just going to read it all the way through, and then we're going to teach it. You ready? Are you ready? All right, I'm ready. Here we go. Get ready. Here we go. Verse 29. When the crowds were increasing... He began to say, this generation, so let's just pause right there. So this generation, so he's talking to the crowd. He's talking to those who are following him. You'll find out in a second, all they're looking for is a sign. They're looking for a miracle. They're not even looking for salvation. They're looking for a miracle. They want to follow a guy, kind of like the American church world. It's like, I want to follow a man. Give me a sign. Let me see this articulate teaching and preaching and big church experience and everything. And Jesus is about to say the following. This generation is an evil what? Generation. So he's saying to this congregation, to you and to me and to them, your evil congregation. Why, he explains. It, this evil generation, seeks for a, circle this, sign. It looking for a sign, looking for something tangible that they can grasp onto it and say, oh, this makes sense. But, Jesus says, but no sign, circle that, will be given to it, that evil generation, except the sign of who? Jonah. Underline that, circle that, mascara that statement. The sign of Jonah. We're going to get to that in a second. Verse 30, it starts talking about Jonah. For as Jonah became a what? Sign. So Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, this terrible, demonically sinful nation of Nineveh. So will the Son of Man to be this generation. So he's saying in verse 30 that just as the sign was that Jonah was a sign, the Son of Man will be a what? Sign to this generation. Verse 31. The 
queen of, uh, this queen of the south um, of Sheba will rise up at the judgment. So again, pause. At the end of time, there will be a judgment to all who believe and not. There will be a final judgment. When that comes, we're closer today than we were when we're what? Yesterday. So we're closer today than we've ever been. When is the judgment coming? When is Jesus coming back to judge the living and the dead? I don't know, but be ready. It will come. But in this time, in this end time judgment, watch. It says, the queen of Sheba will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn this evil generation. For she came from the ends of the earth, in other words, she came from a long way away, to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Solomon was gifted with the most, he's the wisest man ever to live, richest, most powerful man ever to live, given this authority, God's wisdom, to, to Solomon, so he was so wise and blessed. And it says, And behold, something greater than who? Solomon is what? Here. Underline that. Something greater than even Solomon and his wisdom is here. He's like, I can almost imagine Jesus is like, he's teaching away, is here. He's pointing to himself. He didn't do that. He's not like that. He's like, something is greater. And it's me he's trying to get across. He never came across as this pious, I'm greater than Solomon. But he basically said, I am. And I'm here. The question is, are you going to believe that he is what? Greater. And in this generation, in Israel, they were emphatic about Solomon. We are Solomon, King David's. It's the wisdom. It's now passed to our generation, to the Pharisees, Sadducees, to everything. We get to be carried on this wisdom. And Jesus is like, you're dum-dums. <laughs> because I'm greater than even Solomon himself. All right, keep going. And then something greater is Solomon. The men of Nineveh, remember, evil depraved. Think about the worst time and worst people ever. The Ninevites got them beat times a thousand, okay? That's the Ninevites. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the where? Judgment. So at the end of time, with this generation, in other words, he's pointing to these people that are following him. By the way, this is not a great church growth model. This is not one of these like, you stink, you stink, you stink, you stink. No, it's one of these, I'm greater, follow me, is what he's saying. And he says, and he says in the end, they will in judgment with this generation, and they will also condemn. So the queen of Sheba, queen of the south, will condemn them. And also the Ninevites, these evil people at the judgment, will come along and condemn these people that he's talking to right there. And I'm begging you today is like, may that not be the case for you and me. That the evil people came along and said, man, you, have, you worship Jesus. You came to church. You did all this stuff, but you missed Jesus. May this not be the case for you and for me, because in the end, Jesus will judge the living and the dead. And may that not be you, where you're condemned forever, separated from God from forever. Please understand that hell is real, and you don't want to go there, because that separation from the love of God made to you and to me 
May we be emphatic about this. Why will the Ninevites raise up? For they, what's the next word? For they, what's the next word? For what's the next word? For the Ninevites, no matter how evil they were, they repented. They turned from their sins because they got a sign and they heard a word from God through a guy that was in the belly of a well fish for three days. We're going to get to the point to explain the following. Jesus Christ is the sign to you and to me and to them that he was dead and buried for three days. But he came back alive with a mission of telling you and me, believe in the one sign that matters, and that's the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's the only sign that you need to pursue out of all the other signs that are available. And Jesus said, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is what? Here, he's pointing to himself again. I'm going to read the next part in a second, but I'm just, I just want to beg you from the very beginning. Jesus is pointing out the evil in this generation. And may you and I constantly know that Jesus proclaims evil with the word of God. He proclaims evil through the Holy Spirit's conviction of you and me in our hearts. Because you and I, many times like them, are looking for a sign of proof of who and what is greater. And again, to simplify it, Jesus is what? Greater. And then it continues in verse 33. No one, no one after lighting a what? Lamp. Puts it in a cedar or hides it under a basket. But puts it on a stand so that there's a purpose for the putting it on a stand, not just for just nice lighting, but so that those who enter this house, this area, may see the light. Underline this, your eye is the lamp of your body. In other words, you're receiving it through your optical nerves, and it's coming into your heart, what you're seeing and trying to experience. And that's what Jesus is like. Do you see me, he's saying? Do you see me? I'm right here, kind of like, keep your eyes here. Look, look at me. I am greater than Solomon. I am greater than Jonah. And he's like, you're not looking in the right places. The eye is healthy. The whole body is full of what? Light. But when it is bad, when it's looking at the wrong things, your body is full of darkness. Verse 35, therefore, everybody say therefore. All right, therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkened. Welcome to maybe your life and my life. We've allowed the light of Jesus that is greater than anything else to go dark. Why? Because we're so preoccupied with so many other things than Jesus. If your whole body is filled with light, having no part of this darkness, it will be whole 
bright as a lamp when its rays give you light. Oh, my gracious me, ladies and gentlemen. There's so much here, but I'm going to simplify the best way we can. Jesus is pointing out that in the judgment, there will be consequences. And the people, I don't know, and here's the deal, nobody knows. People can write books about the end. People can write books about how the judgment's going to go. It's all speculation, okay? It's all speculation. But we see here that it looks like Jesus is saying that there are going to be people that arise up and say, you're condemned because you did not repent, You're condemned because you looked at Solomon's wisdom instead of the wisdom of God. We are going to be condemned with this. Why? Because Jesus is greater. But what do we do? We light our life with the things that are dark. We fill the darkness. Like Greg talked about last week, we have the Holy Spirit in us to all who would believe in him. But we have this gap of oxygen. And this oxygen is, is the levity for us to be able to sin and do darkness. What he explained, and I agree 100%, fill, let the Holy Spirit continue to fill us with light, with Jesus. And I almost guarantee you this is not one of these self-help things. This is not put your faith and trust in Jesus and everything will go well. Is that true? No, but you'll be at peace. You'll see a right perspective. You'll have the right heart. So I'm begging you today as we go through this, who is Jesus truly to you? I'm mainly talking to those of you who have been in church and religified. I'm mainly talking to you. So non-believers, listen, you need Jesus. Jesus came, died, rose again to forgive your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness, place your faith and trust in Jesus. He rose from the dead. He was the Jonah, the only sign that you need, so follow Jesus. Here at the end, place your faith and trust in Jesus. Christians, stop belittling the light of Jesus with religion. If you're here today, I'm begging you, stop it. Because you are hindering the light to be shined through you and through me. So, Catalyst Church, what does this look for many of us? So the Queen of Sheba looked for wisdom, and Queen of Sheba gave glory to God, not Solomon. Jonah, after he repented from his disobedience, was vomited up on the shore of Nineveh, and the Ninevites heard the gospel, heard this, God's going to annihilate you if you don't. That story has not changed. To you and to me, if you don't place your faith and trust in Jesus, you will spend eternity separated from him. The story does not change. The answer remains the same. Repent, believe, and follow. And may that be the case for you and for me. So who is the sign that Jesus was talking about? Himself. He was pointing them to his resurrection. He was pointing to the place where he was going to come back alive. And we're like, yeah, that makes sense. We're reading it right here. So why is it so difficult for you and I to believe this? Well, Romans chapter 1 explains it all. So here is a foundational reason why you might not believe and why you as supposed Christians might not truly believe also. And it says this, starting in Romans verse 1, for what can be known about God is what? Plain. It's just, it's plain. Like Jesus was like, Something is greater 
here, Jesus is saying. So you look around the world and you look around everywhere. I love, I mean, I love, I've got an Apple TV. Anybody have an Apple TV? Okay, I love my Apple TV for those who don't like Apple TV. Long story short, it has a lock screen on it. And what Apple has done, since Apple's the greatest product in the world, but not real. Okay, all right. So what Apple does is they have this lock screen and it's all 4K imagery of, of, of the world. You see oceans, you see like the drone flying through. And sometimes you just sit there and just like, wow. Just like, wow. There must be a what? There must be a God. It's plain. It's like, that just doesn't happen. It happened because God so loved you and me that he wants to display plainly to the whole world that it's about him. Okay. God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes... Namely, his eternal powers, divine nature, have been clearly perceived even since the creation of the what? Even since the creation of the world in things that have been made so that they are without what? Excuse. So listen, you have no Christian or non-Christian, you have no blooming excuse not to understand that God is greater so why do we allow other things to be greater? <laughs> it's just like, I'm yelling at myself too because you're like, you dum-dum. So let it be the case for you and for me that we allow and understand that God is greater, Jesus is greater, and everything else doesn't matter other than Jesus. So what does this mean? How can we choose? Why do people choose poorly? It continues in Romans chapter one. Joe? It says, for although they knew God, because he made it plain to them, they did not what? There it is. They did not honor, honor him as God or gave thanks to him, but they became futile in their what? As Greg preaches almost every, every time he gets to preach, the battle is here. We allow what happens in our brain, so talk about the eye is the light the, the, to the body. Ladies and gentlemen, when we look at the world, our eyes get glim and dumb to what's the beauty of it. Why? Because we become futile and we start looking at other things. We look at our problems, we look at our doubts, we look at other things instead of God and his beautiful gift of Jesus and creation. All right. Because they became futile. I'll just even say they become dum-dums. All right? All right? They became futile, sinful in their thinking. And their foolish hearts and their hearts. What's the word for the day? Their dum-dum hearts. Okay, all right. So, and their dum-dum hearts, they weren't thinking. Hearts became darkened. Instead of allowing the light of what's happening in creation, what's happening with the word of God, what's happening, they became futile, darkened with what comes into their mind and heart. They claim to be wise. Kind of sounds familiar with Solomon. They're like, I claim to have the wisdom of Solomon, but they became what? Fools. So they claim to be like Solomon, but they are actually what? What would you say? They're dum-dums. Okay. All right. 
<laughs> Rachel's like, I've been saying dumb, dumb a lot. She's like, why are you saying that word? I'm like, it just came to me. Okay, all right. So why? Because they're, they're, they did not honor God. They did not give thanks to him. They came futile in their thinking. They became foolish in their hearts and they're darkened. They became fuels and they exchanged. This is where the rubber meets the road. Why? Because they exchanged the glory of God, of the immortal God for images. What's the next word? Resembling, resembling. It's fake. You got it? It's fake. It looks like, but it's fake. Re- res- uh, resembling mortal men and birds of the airs and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lust of their hearts, their impurities, and dishonoring their bodies among themselves. And they became, because they what? Exchange. Whenever scripture repeats itself twice, it is shouting out from the rooftops, this is what I'm trying to say. You've exchanged the glory of God for what is fake. You exchange Jesus is greater for religion. You've exchanged those things for what should be real and powerful for the things that are not. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a what? lie and what do they do they worshiped and served the what creature rather than the creator the creator is blessed forever can i get an amen so i'm going to try to illustrate this the best way i can in our church context because ladies and gentlemen i'm, I'm just i'm going to preface this from the very beginning with the following. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He's real. He's greater. I preface about what I'm about to say because I know many of you have been in churches that are all about legalism. Legalism of following these rules and you will be blessed. I'm just telling you what, you can follow all those rules and you're still going to go to hell. You can be as good as you want to and still go to hell. I'm, I'm just begging you. Today, may today be the day that you are saved because you recognize that Jesus is greater. So I'm not condemning you in any way, shape, or form because as I go through this list, been there done that. Got it? So just for the fun of it, can you tell which candle up here is real? Can anybody tell? Okay, so this one is the real candle, but watch this. As it said in Romans 1, they exchange the real thing for a what? For a fake. All these other candles, other than this one, is, is, is fake. It's, I mean, it's like it's, it's, it's actually really cool, by the way. It has a battery to it. It's actually really cool. So, all right. So, literally, it's all what? Fake. And I want you to catch this. Many of you, as I go through this, have believed in these fake things because you've exchanged Jesus for these other things for salvation. I'm begging you, please say yes to Jesus today and not these other things. Because the, I'm emphasizing this emphatically. Why? It's because I've heard many of you say it. 
I'm like, how do you know that you're saved? How do you know you're going to go to heaven? How do you have a relationship with God? And you mentioned all the fake stuff. And there's only one one, there's only one thing, ladies and gentlemen, that should be elevated in our life above all else. And his name is who? Jesus. Only one. It's separate. He's different. He's unlike any other. He's Jesus. He's the real deal. He's the light in you, as it explains, that must be proclaimed, that the rays must come out from you. But what you have done is you're like, Jesus and this. If you add Jesus and, that's a false teaching. With me? Okay, so here are some things in my excitement and my prayer for you is maybe you've said these things. And by the way, non-believer, look at me. It's simply Jesus. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, please pray. Please place your faith and trust in him. He loves you. He died for you. He saved you from your sins. He's just asking you to believe in him. He's calling you to himself. Now, again, to those of you who are in this room thinking that you're saved, maybe you've said statements like, well, I'm saved because I go to church. No! If you've never said that before, maybe you're not saved. Going to church does not save you. And in fact, the church is not a building. It's not a worship service. It's the people of God. So maybe you're like, well, I've been a part of the body of Christ forever. Yeah, but who is Jesus? Maybe said out of our mouths, ongoing, no matter what, how do you know that you're going to heaven? The answer is not I go to church. It's because I'm a wretched sinner, but Jesus loves me. He died for me. He forgave me of my sins. I believe in the sign of Jonah. Don't say sign of Jonah because that's kind of weird. But I believe in his resurrection, and I place my faith and trust in him. And then let the light of Jesus shine brightly through your dumb-dumbness. Got it? Okay, all right. The thing you might have said is, oh, I've got good deeds. Yeah, check it. Yeah, I serve at the food pantry. I'm saved. No. Yeah, I walked an old lady across the road. No. I paid for somebody's meal at McDonald's. Yeah, $5, good for you. No. Listen to me. Your good deeds, if your good deeds outweigh your bad, it doesn't matter. The greatest deed ever was Jesus. He paid it all. And to him we say, thank you, and we submit to you. So your good deeds will not get you into heaven. You got it? So if you've ever said, well, my good deeds, and I'm, I'm just going to be loving with you. Listen, maybe you've been raised up in a church or a belief system, Catholicism and other things, that you like, good deeds, good deeds, good deeds. No, no, no good deed can ever give you salvation other than the deed that Jesus did, and that was Jesus on the cross. Another face, fake thing is, well, I know a lot about the Bible, knowledge. I know a lot about the Bible. I know more than him. I know more than him. I must be saved. I know a lot. No, you might just be book smart. You might just been churchified. You might be Sunday schoolified. You might be religified. The Pharisees knew a lot more than other people, but they were on their way to hell. So hear me closely. Just because you know more than others does not mean you're saved. You got it? Again, repetition is the key to what? Learning. So I'm going to repeat it again. The knowledge that you have does not save you. Jesus saves you. 
So may it come out of our mouth. Well, Pastor Dave, I can show you the Greek and the Hebrew, the Aramaic, the reason why you're wrong. Yeah, show it to me and I'll show you how stupid you are. You can know all the Greek, Hebrew, and everything, and all the knowledge about the Bible, but if you don't know Jesus, yeah, you're a dum-dum. Childlike faith, Jesus says, was basically saying, I don't have it all together, I just don't know, but once I was lost, now I'm found. Once I was blind, but now I see. Why? Because the light of Jesus is now in you. It doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. Next one. I've heard this, and it says always. I always knew God. I always have been a part of a church. I've always been saved. I've always known about God. Yeah, you've always been a sinner until you've turned your life to Jesus. There's the always in your life. So hear me closely. Just because you always have been doesn't mean you always will spend eternity with God forever through Jesus Christ um, unless you turn to him. Just listen, um, this, is, this is the difficult thing because many of you have said, well, I've always believed, but when was the day of your salvation? Now, I'm not saying you need to know the time, date, month, year, and what was happening and what this, the smell of the flowers were. I don't know. No, I don't care. Okay. You need to know that once you were lost and Jesus found you, saved you because you placed your faith and trust in him. When was that? Like, like for example, my, my, I've been talked in my life. So here's my very quick testimony. I've had many always moments. I've many, I've come to know Jesus until one day sitting in the back of a church um, row um, I thought, I, honestly, I thought I was going to heaven because I went to church. I always thought that I was going to go to heaven because I knew more than the punk kid next to me. I always knew that, hey, if I just go to, and I'm good at with my family and so on and so forth, I've, I'll always be saved. No, my salvation is not found upon my parents, though I thought it was. Resulting in, listen carefully, there was the day, and I don't know, I was a kid, I don't know, the pastor preached the gospel, the light came into my eyes and like, I need Jesus. Resulting in, I did not come down front. I did not say a prayer. I did not do the deeds of those. I went home, to, went to my parents and said, I need Jesus. And they're like, well, I thought you knew Jesus like a hundred times fold. Like you're a good kid, you know, and you go to church. And I'm like, no, I need Jesus. And they're like, okay. I believe that was the day of my salvation. Why? Because it was just Jesus and not about all this other stuff. So also, this all, I could have been here like, well, I've always known. Yeah. Why? Because my parents taught me. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a falsity. Feelings. Well, I feel saved. Let me, let me ask you. Let's, let's just keep it real. And I'll raise my hand first. There are many, many countless of days that I don't feel saved. I raised my hand. How many of you? You just don't feel saved. Guess what? That doesn't mean it's true or not. Your feelings are your feelings. Jesus is greater than your feelings. And if we judge things on our feelings, yeah, go to Oprah. She likes your feelings. Turn to Jesus, and he will give you peace. That's all you need to know. Faith in Jesus Christ. Feelings. Then this is this, the last one. Because I, 
If your answer to the question is, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? How will you spend eternity with heaven? Are you going to heaven? Any of those questions, right? The salvation question. And if your response begins with, because I, there's your problem. Scripture says that you are dead in your trespasses of sin. You are dead. You are not capable of saving yourself because you are dead in your sins. But if your response to that question is because Jesus died for me, saved me, and I've placed my faith and trust in him, yeah, you get it. The light remains inside of you. So may today be the day of your salvation where maybe today is the day that you're like, yeah, that makes sense. It's all about Jesus, but I've been futile in my thinking, and I've exchanged the glory of Jesus for church. I've exchanged the glory of Jesus for good deeds, knowledge, my feelings, I've always, or because I. And that's just where it's the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. He offers you the free gift of salvation in Christ Jesus. And God demonstrates his love for us that while we are still sinners, whether religion or other sins, Christ Jesus died for us. And scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is what? Lord. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Notice, he is higher, more exalted. He's on his own table. He's on a higher, higher stand everything. If you confess that Jesus is Lord, not these, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the sign of who? Jonah, three days, you will be saved. It's Jesus. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to ask you a simple question. How do you know that you're saved and have a relationship with God. If your answer is any of these, be like the Ninevites and repent today before judgment comes. Bow your head and close your eyes. Holy Spirit, do your thing. Bring conviction to the hearts that are here, this evil generation that's here in our church right now. And the reason why they're an evil generation is because they have exchanged the glory of you, Jesus, for church and knowledge and feelings and all these other things like good deeds. May today be the day of salvation for them. Jesus, bring them to yourself. And may the bright, shining light of the gospel penetrate their hearts. And may they now have seen clearly. And I do pray against the evil one that has come to blind the eyes of the unbelievers. So, Lord, I pray that you will remove that. And, Lord, I know it's difficult for many because they thought that they were saved, but they weren't. And maybe, Lord, even after being in the church or being a part of Catalyst or being a part of any entity, 
that today is the day of their salvation. Lord, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, I'm not even going to look, God. Because, Lord, it's not about what I see, it's what you see. And this first step is the uh, step of repentance. If you are here today and you believe that you need Jesus to save you and he's the only salvation that is offered and you are ready to repent, turn from these things that you thought saved you or turn from your sins in general. As our Bible verse says, if you confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness of religion and sin in general. Lord, may this form of repentance of raising our hand be to you and not to me. So the question, ladies and gentlemen, are you today going to say yes to Jesus? And if your answer is yes, nobody's looking around other than you, God. Just raise your hand and put it back down. Lord, you see these hands? And I pray that these will be genuine, heartfelt, repentant declaration of their sin and depravity. And from this, Lord, I do pray that we will leave this place as new people and answering the question of how and where will you spend eternity and how is because of Jesus. Because Jesus is better. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Let's stand in. If Jesus is truly the King and the Lord of your life, ladies and gentlemen, as the scripture says, it would be stupid, dumb, dumb for us to hide his glory. May we be a church that removes this and let his glory shine brightly through our life. And when we do, and when we have the right perspective and the right Lord of our life, that Jesus is Lord, then church is important. Then good deeds are important. Then knowledge is important. Then we always know that we have salvation in Jesus. Then we can feel the peace that surpasses all understanding. And then our statement will be, because I believe in Jesus Christ. When we do, all these others are subject and submitted to the lordship of who? Jesus Christ. Which results in, we must now listen.